And we're gonna, we're gonna take up again 1st Timothy 6 in the study date. Uh, the study stamp for this day is study 161 of our, our study entitled Wisdom along with the workman's interlinear that Jack Everly put for. And we're gonna try to finish First Timothy tonight. We got 18 through 21 to do. And, uh, there's not a tremendous amount of scripture in it that, uh, Jack left for us, but there's enough to, to keep us going, I think, for this few minutes that we have tonight. So, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna start with verse 18, but I'm gonna read 17. Because it goes with it, and I was gonna, uh, uh, try to get through 18 last week, but I didn't do it. And, uh, so we're gonna go through 18 through 21 of 1st Timothy, and that, that will be all in 1st Timothy. And it says this in 17, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, and, and that high-minded there was arrogant, uh, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. And so that's where we left off last week. And then we're going to pick up with uh, with our study for tonight. And it says in 18... To, be, to continue on with the, with the same thought, they that do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. And so, <clears throat> I'll do as I've been doing, and I'll read my notes, and then I'll read Jack's and the Koine Greek, and then we'll look at the scripture for 18. And it says, that they or the rich uh, do good, that they be rich in good works, be ready to distribute, and willing to communicate, and to be sincere in both words and deeds. And uh, that's certainly a, a good point to make in in. Something that uh, Paul wanted Timothy to know and understand, because he was gonna he he was gonna be thrown to the lines that way, and 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 Timothy would certainly he would have to deal with a lot of things from from top to bottom to know and to understand what his what his job was when. Uh, Paul was not there anymore. And so, there's four or five places that we need to, to look. But before we do that, let's read what Jack said. Uh, Jack Everly said in his Workman's Interlinear in, uh, in verse 18. It says, coming down from the Koine Greek, it says, to do good, to be rich, in works good, liberal, and distributing to be ready to communicate, 
to, to do good, to be rich in good words, liberal in distribution, to be ready to communicate. And so Jack says this in his notes, the body members is given all things to do good, and so forth. Even though we may not be of this world yet, our being here, and naturally, spiritually acting out on the grace of God, uh, will be the salting of the earth. There is nothing here to suggest that the tight-fisted image of the believer is accurate. The believer is liberal in distributing. He is given of his bounty, not indiscriminately, but under God's work as to be a good steward. He is ready to communicate, to give the word to his neighbor, to speak of the glory of God with the praise of his lips. And that's really a wonderful thing because the testimony can go many times much further from a man's lips than uh, the Scripture as you read it off to people because many don't have that Holy Spirit dwelling within them that can give them greater understanding as we go along. So we're going to look at the, we're going to look at the, uh, places that he wanted us to look at. So we're going to go back and we're going to start tonight in the book of Mark, uh, in Mark 3 to be exact. Uh, and we're going to look at Mark 3, 1 through 5. And that's on page uh, 1887, if you have a companion Bible. But Mark 3, and he's talking about Christ here. Uh, it says, The Son of Man, and the Lord also of the Sabbath. And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there with a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he said unto the man, which had the winter withered hand, Stand forth. And he said unto them, Is it lawful to do good? On the Sabbath days or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But to help their peace. They didn't, he didn't get an answer for that. And then verse 5. And he said, when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, <coughs> he said unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And so this is, this is one of the miracles that Christ did before the people, and they were there 
to judge him on what he was going to do because it was the Sabbath day. And a lot of them evidently didn't think that anything like that ought to be done on the Sabbath day. I can't, I can't see if, if, if you're following the will of God and you're doing good, I can't see what day would matter. The day shouldn't matter to me in that situation. And it, evidently it didn't matter to Christ. So I get from that that if something needs to happen on a particular day where it would be a high day or a low day, it wouldn't make any difference whether uh, whatever you claim or profess uh, your Sabbath to be. I don't see that it would make a, a better difference there. And that goes. Now, let's turn over to the book of Luke. We're going to go to Luke 6. And uh, let me get on the right page here. We're going to look at 6. Uh, nine. We're going to look at 6. 9. The verse 9 of chapter 6. And I think it's just one verse that I wanted to do, or Jack wanted us to look at. Well, I'm having problems turning the pages tonight. Luke 6, 9. Okay, 6, 9 says this. <clears throat> then said Jesus unto them, I think this is another, this is not the same thing. I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or destroy it? And he looked round, I guess it is, and he looked round about them all and he said unto them, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as were the others. And they were filled with madness and communed one with another what they might do to Jesus. So you see, this was something that these people didn't believe that uh, should happen. On that day, regardless of, of the situation, I guess. So, they weren't willing to communicate. They weren't really ready to be, uh, to distribute what they knew or what they owned to help this individual. But yet, when Christ healed him on the Sabbath, they thought it was wrong. So, okay, we, we, and uh let's look at six thirty five. And he says, But love your but love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And you shall be the children of the highest. 
for ye, for we, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. And be ye therefore merciful as your Father is also merciful. So that was the other part of Luke that uh, we needed to look at there. Okay, turn with me to Romans 2. Romans 2. And we're going to look at verses 10 through 12. Let me turn over one more page. And we're going to start at uh, 9. It says, Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jews first and also of the Gentiles. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. This is in Romans. For there is no respecter of persons with God. For as many as have sinned, Without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. Okay, that, that was Romans 2, 9 through 12. And then we're going to go to Galatians 6 and look at 7 through 10. Okay, let me go over to Galatians. And look at 7 through 10. Let me go over one more page here. Okay, this is on page 1758 if you have a companion Bible. And it says, Be not deceived. And I had this before my face in my grandmother's house and also in my house too. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. And he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Let's see, that was 7 through 10. And as we therefore have, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially to them who are of the household of faith. That was Galatians 7 through 10. And we're going to go from there to the next book, is Ephesians 4. In Ephesians 4, we're going to look at verse 28. And let's see, yeah, 28 to 30. 
428 to 30, and that's on page 1767. And it says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, where ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Okay, we got one more here and we'll get to the next verse. And the next one here is First Peter 2. Okay, so we're going to go uh, to the small books over there and Peter, let's see. First Peter two. First Peter two fifty. First Peter two. Let's see if I've marked it. Fifteen. Yeah. First Peter two fifteen eighteen fifty eight. It says twelve to fifteen. It says having your conversation honest among the Gentiles that whereas. They speak against you as evildoers. They may be your good works, which they shall behold. Glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be the king or supreme, or unto the governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing that you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So, uh, Peter was calling some of these people foolish men that uh, were doing the things that we talked about earlier in the other books. It was Gentile and Jew and Gentile. So the Jew there was always trying to get something on Christ that they could uh, charge him with. And, and uh, so it, it was never, uh, the many of them, it was never something that uh, was going to turn in to be good, but it was, Something that people looked at and said, well, you know, this is not, this is not what we believe. And a lot of times, to a Jew, if it wasn't written in Scripture where it says, and God saith, or one of God's spokesmen said something, they wouldn't believe it. Regardless of 
if the man was standing there saying it to them then. If they had not heard it before, it was something that they didn't readily accept. Now that, that I found that that's been a trait of, of the Jewish people, uh, because we found that out in, in Timothy here where it said, where, uh, Paul was saying, uh, you don't muzzle the ox that treadeth the corn. Well, that was in Scripture. They believed that. But then when Paul went and said something in that same verse of Scripture, they, they didn't really take, I don't think, uh, the Jews that heard that would, would have taken that very serious because that wasn't in Scripture until after he penned it, the Scripture, or had it penned the Scripture. So, you see there's a difference in in their way of thinking a lot of times that's that pretty dogmatic. It, it didn't seem to be uh, something worthy of loving your neighbor in that sense. So, that's kind of the way I, I look at that. Let's go back to 1 Timothy 6.19 now. Going from 18 to 19, it says, Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hope on eternal life. Now, what we're reading here in Timothy is what Paul was wanting Timothy to know and to teach the mystery. And, and to have it down, and have it down to a point where he could, he could demonstrate what he's saying here when he became the leader of this mystery truth thing. And so, Paul's idea was, you know, to do good works and, and store it up against along with your testimony, is uh, uh, to lay the groundwork for getting rewards at the end of your life, the end of this life. I'm going to read the notes there, too. I just read what was in the King James Version, but it says, laying up, or really laying down on the earth. Because there's two ways you can lay. Because it talks here about foundation. Uh, laying up in store. Well, you can lay things earthly, the things that you have that are earthly. Uh, you can use them here. But the heavenly things you're not going to have when you get your spiritual things. Because then the spiritual things, you will have a new body. And what you have now probably can't be used with what you're going to get. Because I don't think we have a great clue yet as to how things are really going to be. But again... Here's another situation that you have 
that the Scripture talks about this stuff and gives you understanding in other places uh, as to what Paul is saying here. So it has been said in other ways in other places. And lots of times that's the way it is. And if you don't have... If you're of the old belief or the Jewish belief, it may not transcend into the Greek that, that way. And, and so be careful with this verse of Scripture here. Laying up in store, treasuring up, or to keep in reserve for themselves for a good foundation. That's, that's what he's telling him to do now. Or do in that day, which was A.D. 60-something, late 60s. Okay. Against the time to come. Then he's talking about things in the future, or he'll see when Paul is no longer there. And so, the laying up of things there... In store is a good foundation against the time to come. Against what Timothy's going to see down the road. Okay. In the future. That they may be able to or lay hope on eternal life. And that's really... Uh, that's really not a good rendering. Because if you go back uh, to uh, the book of John and, and realize that uh, the eternal life Is not really, and Jack agrees with this in his book, but a better ending of eternal should be to life that is life indeed. And the word indeed there is the real link to all this stuff because it's used several times and it's used, uh, for emphasis in a great effect. Because eternal life doesn't seem to shake people very much. But when you're talking about life that is life and you make a difference between the life you have now and you make a difference between what you have now and what you expect to get, then you get somebody's attention. Because they may have not have thought about it very much. And so I want to go back in, in, uh, in, uh, that, that word indeed is the word ontos in the Greek. And, uh, I want to go to the book of John to verse 8. I mean, chapter 8 and verse 36. Turn with me back to John for just a minute. The book of John. Chapter 8 and verse 36. 
Let's look at chapter 8, verse 36. Okay, and that's on uh, page 8.15.39. I'm going to read verse 36. Well, I'll just go back to 34. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth the sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the Son abideth ever. Verse 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, and we know who the Son is, is the Son of God, and is Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Meaning that when he seals you with that holy seal of promise, there is nothing that can take that away from you. And that's what indeed means. It's therefore emphasis. If you go back to, to I think it's the, the first verse of John. I mean, uh, the, the introduction into John. There's words there that are put in there. And they're in 1511. It's, it's where it's at. And it shows you that there are words there that are emphatic in the four Gospels. Not only, but now this indeed is only in the book of John. The synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't have that. John, this is, John uses it three times in the book of John. And it's done for emphasis, and the emphasis was never in Luke, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Because I think understanding there in these three gospels, it gives you a different view of it in each gospel because it's dealing with one is being man, one is being king, you know, it's because it shows the difference uh, that uh, he takes upon himself of, of, of the individual situation with those people in different, in their different looks at, at these things. And so, when you come across the word indeed in the New Testament, you need to stop and look at the notes, especially that are in the Companion Bible, because it's important. And so there's about six or seven or eight different words that this word indeed means. And you can't just get it from one, from one place, like I've given you. But there's other places, and if you, if you have a Strong's or whatever, if you want to look it up, it pays, it pays you dividends to look at these things like that, because that's what studying means. Study to show yourself approved unto God, because the way He has it put down is the way it needs to be looked at.
And so that's that's pretty much what we're talking about here in verse 19 of this. When indeed is used in the New Testament, it is from God, meaning it is the real thing, and it can't be changed. And uh, you can agree or disagree, but that's that's what I understand it to be is the way I've looked at it. Okay, now let's let's look at what Jack said, verse twenty. Uh, let me turn the page. Or verse nineteen. I'm sorry. Verse nineteen. Out of the Koine Greek, it says, "Treasuring up for thyself's foundation, good into the future, that they may lay a hold." Upon the really life. You see, Jack changed it a little bit to, to really life. What we have now is not really life. What was meant to be that we could live forever, but we can't live forever this way in, in the sinfulness of, of what happened. But when you look at it really, and you understand that, that life that he talks about that's coming is different from the life that we have now. Our hope is not this whole planet Earth. It's to be with Christ in His body. And so, that's that's the way it comes down from the Koine Greek. So, we we need to look at it that way. And here's what Jack said in his notes. What a beautiful and accurate phrase to frame the truth of life. How prudent to build a foundation of a future life. One that's not of this earth. The real life is life that is life indeed. The word eternal is a poor human word which does not accurately express the life which God gives. But He gave it because He gave it to sinful people. And so He changed. He changed it from what it was to what it is. But now, when our change comes, it's going to be changed to something else and it's, 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 it's going to be forthwith truly the life that God gives rather than the life that your mother gave you. Okay? I'll just add that to it. This life knows no perimeter, parameter, for God has no time. He created time through creation of the seasons and lights. He started the clock ticking when the seasons were made. Genesis 1.14. Genesis 1.14. God knows no past, present, or future. Time was created for man. The life God gives knows no time. If you get eternal life as we understand it, there is no time. It is... 
It goes on and on, on and on. No one can take this life from God's people. Oh, I thought that was a great, I thought that was a great answer from what Jack gave. So there's no one here. If, if somebody kills you and you have Christ, you have made your choice to believe God. That didn't, that didn't stop anything. It, it just stopped life as you had as dust. But life that you have as eternal with power will be given to you again because God has what it takes to bring you back and to make that change. And so when we look and we see talk about being sealed. Being sealed means preserved for another period. And so eternity, I guess, is another period in God's eyes because there's no there's no beginning and no end with God. So here we are. And to get to get this understanding sometimes it's it's a little little rough on us for this because we're in bombarded from day to day with things that involves us in this war between God and Satan. Whether we know it or whether we don't, or whether we understand it at the time. But death is part of that. When one of our family dies, uh, it is our hope that, that they had hope in Christ. Otherwise, they're gone. They perished. But if they have that hope, then, you know, maybe the time of rejoicing is, should be greater at that point because you know that they'll be, that they will have life again. Because it can't be taken away from if you're sealed with that spirit of promise. If you have the Holy Spirit within you, that is another point that uh, gives you real hope and real truth. Okay. Let's go to the book of John again. And turn with me back to John 1. We're going to look at 1 through 4. The Gospel of John. Life through His name. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him were not anything made that was made. The Son of God was the fabricator of the will of God. He he made whatever it was that God wanted made. Okay. And in Him was life. Oh. So He held the life there as He made Adam 
he gave Adam that life that was forever. But then there was some some entity out there that said, no, I'm, I'm going to change this. That's what I want. Satan said. But in Christ was life, and the life was the light of men. So you see, the sun can go away, the moon can go away, the stars can go away. But that don't change our life in Christ. And I want to read you about this thing indeed here with the word was made in verse 3. I'm going to read 3 again. All things were made by Him, and without Him were not anything made that was made. So when God made it, He made it indeed. He made it real. And it was forever. But it got changed. Well, here's some of the words it talks about was made or hath come into being. Verse 4. I'm going to read you that where it talks about life. Life was obtained. Life was possessed. Life was sustained. Life was ministered. Life was abounding. And life was resurrection. That's what indeed means. All these words. You know, you can change it around, but still, it's indeed. Every one of them was indeed because that's what Christ gave to Adam when he made Adam. And resurrection was included in that because it was already known that Satan was out there looking to get rid of the son to take the son's place. So resurrection also was included into all this. That, you know, if you died, that wasn't the end. Resurrection. Sadducees and Pharisees. The Pharisees believed in resurrection. The Sadducees did not. That was the two difference. The difference in some of the Jews and the other Jews. They had a lot of differences among themselves as far as the law went and what, what they could see and do. Okay, so... Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to go back to that. Okay, let's look at Philippians 2. Let's, let's go f- from John to Philippians because I couldn't, I could, after I looked that up, I could not go past that without saying something about it. And that's another aspect of the Holy Spirit and not just reading the Bible, but studying the Bible. That you get all these, you you get you get all this stuff there. Philippians two. Let's look at thirteen through sixteen. 
And uh, that's on page 1776. Good year. Uh, 13 through 16, it says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure, doing all things without murmuring and disputing, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, or you could say world, there, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or either labored in vain. And this is this is the book of that Paul wrote. This was one of Paul's writings of the seven books. Paul says, I want to stay in that light, whether I'm in this life or whether I'm in the next life. Okay, Philippians 2. And then we're going to go to Colossians 3. Just a page or two over. In Colossians 3, we're going to look at uh, verses 1 through 4 in Colossians 3. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. You see, those things that you need to look forward to are not the things that you need to lay in store on the earth, but in the heavenly places. In that one. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. This is where all the good stuff's going on. Okay? Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Can you argue that statement? I don't know of anybody that could really argue that statement and make and, and make a, a good argument out of it. For you're dead. Christ looks at us as being dead already and being there already. We just we're still here because He's still. Give us this life that he hasn't taken it yet. It hasn't come to its end or fullness. Verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then you shall also appear with him where? In glory. Is there any way one could really argue with that? I couldn't see that. I'm not going to move. I, I, I understand that position, and I'm not going to move from that position. If I die, I die. But to have life again, I know where it comes from, and I know how it will come. And I have that hope and that understanding of that. Okay. Colossians. Okay, Second Timothy. Second Timothy one one.
page 1809. If you have a companion Bible, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. And then it says to Timothy, my dear beloved son. Paul looked at Timothy as being his son in Christ. The one he had brought to understand the things that Christ had for him. So that's the reason we've got the book of Timothy. Timothy was not with Paul during this time. But all this that we've gotten in the last few months, Timothy needed to know that. Let's look at Titus. Titus 1 2. First chapter, verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Okay. I'm not sure we're going to get through it tonight. <laughs> okay. Well, we, we can go another, we, we can go another time because there's just so much here that needs to be said. And I never really stop and and, and tie myself as to how far it'll go and, and it wouldn't matter because when I, I talk, I add things to it sometimes. We're going to go to Titus 3 while we're here. And we're going to look at verses 5 through 8. Let's look at 4 through 8. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration or by His blood and the renewing of the Holy Ghost or putting the Holy Ghost into us. In this present age. Or from the Acts age on. And it says. In 6. Which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That being justified. By His grace, we're justified by His grace because He took our sins, the sins that He did not have. We should be made heirs according to the hope 
of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they were, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Okay. That's Titus 3, 5, 3, 8. I want to look at one more. Let's get, go to the book of James. And, uh, let's look at one place in James and we'll, we'll finish it up next week. We're in front of Peter. We're in James. We want to look at James 4. Because it don't seem like I can get more than two verses in at all, but that's all right. Fourteen and fifteen. Four, it's on page eighteen fifty three if you have a companion Bible. Fourteen and fifteen. And I marked back to thirteen. So it says go. Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year. Buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow or the next day. And the question is, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little while or a little time and then vanish away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. So, you see, here even in James, James proclaimed that we were Kind of like a vapor here. We're a bunch of dust held together by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're preserved or saved by His grace to do the will of the Father just like He does the will of the Father. Because Christ was the original fabricator but we should be the ones to help eliminate the evil part of our being here and to fight the good fight. As it says in Philippians, to run the good race and to keep the faith. Because we are in the fight. We're in the fight with the imps of Satan. And it certainly is not going to get any better. So i got a couple of verses left. And we'll take them up next time. Because that's not a problem if we're still here. If we're not here, it's still not going to be a problem. So... Uh, 
Uh, I'll just I'll just put it that way. And so uh, I know I didn't think there was much to go through, but there's quite a bit to go through when you start looking at it, when you put it down and you say, well, I can get all this in an hour, but you can't do it. Bow with me. We'll close for the day. Heavenly Father, as we come this day, Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being here this day and ask for your blessings in future times if we have any left. Ask you to guide, bless, and watch over us to continue to give us understanding and give us wisdom that we can turn into knowledge and understanding that we can use your word in a way that you would have it to be used. And we ask you to guide and bless your word as it is open and spoken. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity and we thank you for the blessing. But we also stand in awe of what you have done for us. Because the all things that is spoken of in, in Paul's last seven epistles, the all things are that that is so important that we sometimes don't give it the honor that we should. But we realize how important all these words of God that they are indeed. They are there because you have put them there for us to see and learn and use and have a testimony to. God and bless us in those things, Lord, each and every day of our life that you give us, that we meet, greet, and talk with others as we do our daily things, and that we might show someone somewhere in some way what they may not have seen or are missing out on. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your great grace. Thank you for your understanding. And give us the opportunity to be the grown-up in a group if we look toward a group that we can be the grown-up there in your love and grace. God bless us in that way, Lord. Thank you for all you do. In Christ's glorious and precious name we pray. And ask for supplications for those that can't help themselves. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen.